You're listening to Wellness Radio with Chris Joe, healing in Christ Jesus. I am super pumped, super excited to be here with you guys today. Very, very excited for our new show, Christians in Confinement with COVID, having conversations, drinking coffee. I'm here today with my good friend, Mr. Jason Masteller, uh, straight straight from Detroit. <laughs> yes, straight from Detroit, yes. Straight, straight from Detroit. From the, the uh, What did you say a second ago? The the, straight, uh, straight from the suburbs of Detroit. The suburbs of Detroit. Yeah. 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 yeah Metro Detroit. Okay. So, man, uh, so I was thinking about you the other day and I was thinking, you, your life to me is like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, was that Billy? You mentioned. Yeah. So I will say I liked that. Um, I think you brought me up in all three of your prior ones and yeah. introduced uh-huh. me. Um, but you always followed it up with the caveat that, oh, but you don't know him. <laughs> so it was always, so you mentioned me and then it would be like, but I know you don't know him. So I just want to go on the record here that I don't know those three guys. So, I will, you know, but I want to, they seem really cool. And uh, well, I tell you, there's somebody you should meet, which is Billy McGuigan, Trey Morgan. Yes. And Jason Thornton, but you don't know him. So I, I don't, but I don't know him, but I want to. So I yeah. think the four of us could do a really epic conference. So uh, we're going to get that. You know. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, so no, I was saying this the other day, I was saying you, uh, your life to me is like a sitcom because you're a Detroit sure. lawyer minister. Yeah, yep. And, yeah. and, and so not in that order, necessarily. The lawyer is a lot smaller uh, than, than, it, it used than it used to be. be. Yeah, 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 I, I, I know that would make for a very interesting uh, premise to, to a show. You know, if I had to, especially if I could throw in some like uh, investigative skills, you know, so like a little matlock, I'd go and investigate the cases too. And then also uh, every episode end with a Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great show. Well, well, it, no, it, it gets you to thinking about what the show would be like. I mean, this would be, this would be an awesome show. Uh, inner city Detroit. Sure. Not the, not the suburbs. No, no, we, no, no. right in front of uh, Tiger's stadium yep yep park yeah we would handle all of the crime that happens in that parking lot right right on woodward (laughs) (laughs) and then there you are um teaching bible studies and dealing with personal cases i mean i don't know what kind of cases you deal with but i i feel like in this scenario i sound homeless i'm just on the street (laughs) on the street (laughs) handing out bible studies and legal advice (laughs) Hey man, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, awesome. but I am drinking coffee. I, I went to get the coffee and I, I got some Tim Hortons here. I, I, I was going to ask you about that because you had mentioned yeah. that you might do that. And so yeah. for anybody, uh, for anybody in um, maybe a different part of the country, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> why, don't, why don't you explain Tim Hortons to us all? Because uh, I think that yeah, that's valuable. Well, it's, a, it's a Canadian company. It was started by a, uh, a Maple Leafs defenseman, um, and uh, it is big. It's big in Canada, and it sort of spread to the United States, and, and Michigan was the first state to get some. And so um, people, it's, it's a big deal in Michigan. We represent that, that Maple Leaf. It's a big um, deal, eh? It is. It is a big deal. People like their Tim Hortons coffee. Um, we have an elder here who uh, I think single-handedly supports one franchise uh, with as many times as he goes during the day. So uh, people love their Tim Hortons. So I had to represent on this, on this. Yeah. And I've been to Tim Hortons and I got to say yeah. it's, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's uh, better than Dunkin' Donuts. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. By, um, Which is kind of a Chicago, Illinois thing. And, you know, Detroit, Chicago, we, we have our, our issues. So, we have yeah. Some- yeah, no, it's it's great. So, so just to say, you grew up, you grew up partially in West Texas. Um, I don't even know if that's fair. I, uh, two years. I, I, I spent two formative years in West Texas. Yeah. Two formative. So I, I would call that growing up. Um, and then, uh, and then the rest of your life was spent in Michigan. Um, sort of. So there was, there was a, a, a interlude of Iowa in there. So okay. I, I was born, uh, grew up a bit in Michigan, moved to Texas when dad went to preaching school at sunset and then got, he got a job in Iowa. And so then we were there through high school. I ended up going to Iowa state, uh, and then moved back to Michigan. But I was, I was always a Michigander, I think at heart. And this was always gonna be the place that I settled. Okay, now I'm going to put my hand up here. Oh, yeah. And you can tell me where in Michigan have you spent most of your time? (laughs) Well, it's kind of, yeah, I feel like it's it's a little bit backwards depending on how you're looking at. But um, so I I spent a lot of time up here uh, in the thumb in Port Huron. In the thumb. Yep, in the thumb. And so Detroit's kind of down here at the base of the thumb. Okay. Um, I spent most of my time in the thumb. Now, and one of the things I love about you, Jason, and there's a lot, but one of the things I love about you is, um, is your extensive knowledge of all things Detroit. Sure. Yeah. And you, you, I've got to say, you probably know more about Detroit than anyone I know. <laughs> and, I feel like that's a very small pool. <laughs> out of the three people who know facts about Detroit, you know the most. And your Yelp page uh, <laughs> is, you know, there's a lot, you got a lot going for you on that. Yes. Yes. And I think that that probably is a good segue to talk about how we know each other, which is through disciple trips, which I was representing today for, for Jeff shout out for the hat. Um, Yeah. You know, disciple trips came up and and you and Jeff did a a sort of survey to look at uh, maybe doing a domestic mission here. This is a long time ago, man. Yeah, it it was. Um, And then we ended up doing a few of those and, uh, so through that, I've made a lot of connections with people who wanted to come to Detroit, wanted to see what we were about, do the, the mission work here um, in sort of our very uh, varied community. You know, we have a really a lot of different opportunities for mission work here. And so uh, one of those groups, um, somebody brought their their college group back. Uh, so they had gone on disciple trips with us um, and then brought their college group back and uh, they were lovingly mocking my uh, downtown tour. Uh, and my, my tour guide skills, and they did create a Yelp page uh, for me, which was pretty funny reading the reviews. A lot of the reviews got blocked by Yelp as spam um, because they were just so awful. Um, and, uh, but the, actually, the, the, the problem with it, it was, it was great fun and, and uh, awesome. But the amount of calls that we got from Yelp to the church building, um, because they put the church's number as, as my tour company number. And so we didn't get calls from people looking for the tour. We got calls from Yelp trying to help me promote my tour so that I could get better reviews, I think, than the, uh, the terrible ones that they put on there. So. so if you're in the Detroit area and you'd like to see some of, <laughs> yeah. um, some of the city, yeah. Which, by the way, over your, uh, I guess that's your left shoulder, you have uh, one of the famous uh, landmarks oh. <laughs> in Detroit, the Chrysler <laughs> yeah. Building. Yes. So, yes. Or yes. is that the yes. Empire State yes. Building? Empire State yeah. Building, yeah. Okay, it's the Empire yes. State Building. I was yes. going to say, yes. I, I, th- I threw Chrysler in there just because. <laughs> just just because the, that would have made more sense. That would have made more sense. 
Yeah, yeah. You see a few things in the background. Uh, these are prop items that we did for LTC. Um, so our congregation here is really big in leadership training for Christ, and uh, we do uh, a lot of fun dramas every year. And so these are some things I painted in props that we, we use. I like parodies, so we do a lot of parodies. So we had, um, I don't know, the Beast from Beauty and the Beast climbing the Empire State Building, I think, in that play. So yeah it's, and, and just to say because you mentioned disciple trips i want to mention this that um the disciple trips for anybody who's interested if you want to go on a short-term mission trip you you may be your church your youth group your college group whatever doesn't have enough people to go on a trip they have disciple trips throughout the united states throughout the world even and you can go uh, and and you know i don't actually know that a website I, through sunset uh SIBI uh, is Sunset International Bible Institute. I, I hate that I don't have the the uh, website with me right the second. When Jeff's here, I'm going to have the website memorized. But yeah, um, a terrible promo. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Go to Google and type go to, go to Google. It's 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 literally one extra step. Yeah. Go to Google and type in disciple trips, and you can see about taking a short term mission. Yeah. And they're even going to Africa now, which is pretty pretty exciting. So. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Listen, yes. we're, we're, uh, this is uh, Christians in confinement for COVID having conversations, drinking coffee. That's what we're doing right now. I want to, I want to ask you, uh, Jason, yeah. uh, what would you say to the person who's like, Hmm, Detroit, I don't think I'll ever visit that place because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> what would you, what would you say as a response and, and realize that any of yeah. your friends on Facebook could be seeing this? Yeah. Uh, so what would you say? Well, I think that that is some of the takeaway. Um, I, I think that we have uh, we've we've got a, a PR problem with our city, right? Uh, built on generations, um, really decades at least, of of negative publicity, um, and so there's a lot to surmount and overcome. Um, and uh, you know, we're not uh, we're not perfect. We we certainly have our issues, but there is so much going on for the city um, in terms of development and growth. Um, excitement and people wanting to come and see what we're about. There's a there's a toughness about Detroit that I, there's an energy that I think re people really feel when they're here and and everybody's really surprised. Um, and and I think you have been and and other people have come with you are really surprised about uh, how pleasant it is, um, about uh, how many nice and fun things there are to do here. Uh, but really, I think the takeaway everybody has is the people. There is a a resiliency. There's a, a fire, a passion. Uh, for Detroit that really exists in the people here and um, and and they love it and I think that that is infectious and and in the th enthusiasm about the hope for the future I think is really strong and and so um, I think everybody who comes up here you know we try to introduce them to, to people spend some time around with folks in Detroit and and they just really see um, that there's a lot of, of really great people here and a lot of really great things um, one of the interesting comments that somebody said, uh, because you bring up the fear. Uh, there was a, there was a woman who, who joined us uh, from Texas. I don't, I don't remember what congregation, um, but she was, she was really concerned. She, she had a lot of trepidation about coming. And we were uh, doing our Detroit tour and we were sitting down for coffee at, you know, one of the outside patios. And uh, she had done some shopping and then we had given some free time and uh, she came and sat down by me. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, actually. And I said, oh, why? And she said, because it's just like Dallas. <laughs> and so it was the idea that she she kind of had built this place up as, as something more. And then the reality, it, it was it was in many ways just like another city. And and that's that's actually a great compliment to us of, of how most people will feel a real normal uh, urban experience when they come to Detroit. 
Yeah, I've got to say, um, I love Detroit. And it's a very special place in my heart. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, when I was younger, I got to see some of the world. And so I saw Paris and, uh, and I, I when we went to Detroit, and you began to explain how that these were designed by the same people. I mean, those, those are, those, these are things that mean a lot to me. I love music. And so Motown really connected to me. Um, of course, the, uh, the Henry Ford, if you're ever in the area, I recommend the Henry Ford. It, it's Smithsonian level yeah. museum for sure. Uh, there's just so much to see in Detroit yeah. and I love the city. And especially if, if you're young, Mm-hmm. It is, it, you're going to eat it up. Yeah. Because it's just hip. It is hip. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and if you're old and you're hip, you're going to eat it up. It's, That's right. That's right. We've got some very nice retirement areas for some older folks, if you can handle the winter. <laughs> so all ages are welcome to come to Detroit. All right, man. Well, hey, listen. So the, the point of our time together is uh, spend a little time in the word. You explaining to us or telling us a, a favorite story of yours. And yeah. uh, I'm just kind of offering this to the people in my life that that I have connected to that, that you know, have made a big impact on me and, and in different ways. And so I want you to to share with us a passage of scripture. Now, I, I took off just for, for the audience uh, to know, I took off the plate, uh, the gospel, essentially the, the crucifixion and the resurrection. You can't do that. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a, that's a default for a lot of people. So what story outside of those two stories, what story would you choose to share with us today? Well, I, I noticed that, um, that Jason and Billy and, and Trey, they, they went, uh, to Jesus and the gospels, mm-hmm. um, which, which is awesome. And, and the, the accounts that they had were, were fantastic. Um, I feel like that's a little bit of cheating. So you said no, no salvation. I feel like that's salvation tangent. You know? <laughs> so uh, no, those are, those are great, great uh, points. And so I really liked their, um, their perspective and take on that. Um, but because you know me, I, I like the weird, I like the obscure, I like the bizarre. And so there are so many different places um, that I think I, I could have gone. But I said go Old Testament, and to something more that I, I don't know that this is my favorite. Uh, I think all the three guys have mentioned something to that effect, how unfair that question is uh, to try to pick our favorite. But I will pick something that I think is um, impactful to me and something I need to get better at and, mm-hmm. and learn. Um, and so that comes from Exodus chapter 18. Okay. And so I, I like this sort of obscure story tucked in uh, to Exodus here. Uh, we have, you know, Moses and everything that has happened in Egypt and they're coming out of Egypt and now they have reached Sinai. But in, in chapter 18, we see that Jethro, um, his father-in-law, hears about all the successes and he's going to go out and, and meet uh, Moses and bring with him uh, Moses' wife and, and children, uh, which we don't know when Moses sent them back, uh, back home. But it was certainly sometime after that whole, uh, you know, circumcision fiasco that they had and before yeah, yeah, yeah. in Egypt, right? So he sends them back, and now they're going to come meet him at, uh, at Sinai. And so Jethro gets there, and they have this big meeting, and they, they connect together, and, and uh, he hears all of the tales about what had happened in Egypt and how God has blessed Moses. It's fantastic. But then I like the next day, because now Jethro is just sort of there, Right. And he's just sort of observing what's what's going on. And what he sees is Moses sitting from morning till night, judging disputes between the people. 
Yeah, he sees a stressed out minister. Is what, <laughs> what yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And so so he he sees Moses and Moses is 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 acting in this role of judge all day long. And and I love that he just he sort of asks him this question like, hey, what are you doing? Right. And that's that's my paraphrase. But he's but he's asking Moses, what what, what are you doing? Why, why, why are you the, the only judge here handling these, these disputes? And I, I like what Moses says uh, in, uh, in verse 15. He says, because the people come unto me to inquire of God when they have a matter. I, I like Moses' response because he's kind of just like, well, because they keep coming and ask me things. You know, I sit here all day long because people have issues and problems and I'm, I'm, I'm it. I'm the one. And, and I love the response that Jethro gives to him where he effectively says to him, that's a dumb idea. Because, because Moses is, is sort of just assuming this role. Hey, I've been leading before. I've been leading everything else. This is obviously my job. I'm the best one to do it. I'm going to resolve the disputes. And, and only, I think, a father-in-law could do this to a son-in-law who he has a good relationship with to be able to say, hey, dummy, that's a bad idea. Well, and it's so interesting because in our minds, these kind of these kind of conversations, you know, like, duh, mm-hmm. like, duh. But but to go back and say, hey, there's no Barnes and Noble or <laughs> ma- master class here that, yeah. that he could take to yeah. say, uh, you know, the seven laws of the learner or uh, seven habits of highly effective people or whatever it is, you know, I mean, even Bible wise, maybe he may be halfway through writing Genesis. I don't know, yeah. but the, there's not a whole lot of, uh, there's not a whole lot of, of, of help here. Yeah, exactly. And so, so for Jethro to come along and so sort of rationally and blatantly say, this is terrible because you're going to, you're going to wear yourself out. You, you can't, you can't do this. You can't do everything. You can't be the only one who is in charge of resolving these disputes. And of course he lays out this plan for Moses to, appoint people, good men, to be able to handle at least the minor ones. I do like that he gives Moses that caveat to say, but you can still handle the serious ones, you know, just in case Moses had any control issues. But, <laughs> but you know, that's, that's, such, that's such good advice, because I think that is a real weakness for, for myself and for a lot of ministers, Yeah, that we take and assume this role in this job that it needs to be me. And it's, it's my job to do everything. And, um, and we sort of create this, this self-inflated sense of ourselves, right? That, that I'm the only one who can do this, that I'm the only one who can handle this. And, and it becomes a really a dangerous position to put in, but we don't necessarily recognize it because it's a good thing. You know, like if I'm doing a bunch of bad things, then I, I can maybe have more self-awareness. But when it's good things, like ministry things, then it's just like, it just becomes, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. And and, and even when we notice that it's wearing on us, or even though we, we are faced with a passage like this, we still go, well, it's just, it's my burden to bear. That's kind of what Moses was doing, right? Well, this is just my job. And, and we get sort of that, that, uh, that sense about ourselves that, that this is what we're supposed to do, and this is a good thing. But in fact, what I like about what, what uh, is being said to Moses here is the fact that he says it's not good for you, his father-in-law, Jethro says it's not good for you, but that it's not good for the people. Yeah, that yeah. that failing to empower the people around Moses is actually doing a detriment. And even the people who aren't going to become leaders, it's doing a detriment because Moses has spread himself too thin. 
And I think that's really the, the message for all of us when we take on these ministries to say, we have to do a better job at discipleship. And that's, I think, what Jethro is talking about here. You need to empower people. You need to, to raise them up to be able to lead because it's ultimately better for the people. So that's been a really difficult lesson for me to learn. And I'm not, I'm not there yet. But it's the desire to, to reach more people because that ultimately is better to help people. Um, maybe it's, it's like growing up, maybe group projects have taught us to not trust other people. I think that's an unintended consequence. We don't trust people to get the job done. And so we, we sort of take it on ourselves without recognizing what we are doing, that, that we're actually creating issues for our congregations or our ministries or the people we work with by not empowering other people to, to serve. Well, and I think the the truths that you're bringing up are so good. Um, how how sad would it be if Moses, um, you know, the, all the stories of Moses uh, fighting idolatry, you know, him coming down the mountain with the with the tablets and and seeing the cow coming out of the fire, you know, and then to get to the end of his life and uh, for the Israelites to say, well, we basically we basically worshipped you. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that you became the idol for us yes. and, or for God to say that to Moses, you know, like you yeah. really put yourself in the position. I think Moses's weakness here makes Moses uh, a better character in the Bible because, oh. uh, because he, he gets to not be God. And it's easy to, <laughs> it's easy for us to, to put these people way up and to forget that they're not God. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's where, again, I think the father-in-law has that role here, you know, where he's, 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 because of his position, he's probably not quite as enamored with Moses as many other people are around him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so he can say something like this. Um, and the respect that Moses has to be able to listen to him is important too. But, but you're exactly right that we have a lot of minister centric churches, right? Um, that the the minister is is the the center and the people are there because they like him or they like how he presents things or what he says or the programs they do and it doesn't have to be the pulpit guy it could be any of the ministries of the church and and that that sort of is fostered I think by us as ministers because we end up doing everything yeah. so people view us as the one who does everything so then when a minister leaves or or a new one comes in or somebody dies it goes well how is this ever going to get done. And, and it's actually incumbent on, on the minister because they didn't do a good job teaching and training other people to take their place. Uh, and so I think that it's, this is a really important lesson for the structure of how the ministry continues to grow and form. It's not going to grow if it's one guy. Uh, it's, it's going to grow when he creates disciples. Yeah, it, the, the phrase that I've heard used in the past is God doesn't uh, have any grandchildren. And kind of the idea that the only person... Uh, that stands between us and God is Jesus, and it doesn't have to be anybody else. Right. And anytime I find myself um, being the necessary go-between between people and God, I'm I'm missing maybe the bigger point, which yeah. is that they're to have a relationship with God individually. Yeah. You know? And 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 here's the thing: this could be applied in so many areas of life. I think about people out there who. Uh, aren't ministers, but are ministering to yeah, people, people exactly. who are, um, for instance, I, I think about uh, divorcees who feel like they, they got to keep it together and be that anchor, that rock mm -hmm. for the, for the possible person who would ever repent and come back someday. Sure. And, and the reality is, um, as much as we admire or appreciate that, um, the, their salvation is not 
based on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. or whatever, whatever the, the scenario might be when we feel the need to place ourselves out there and become the go between. Yeah. And the bottom line is that people have to work out their own salvation. And so, yeah, I, I, I love the message. I think the message is solid. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's good for us to remember that um, we're not irreplaceable. <laughs> you know, I think people get so concerned about what happens if, if somebody's not here. And I think, you know, the church survived when Jesus ascended. The <laughs> church survived when the apostles died. Um, you know, these people who like, if anybody, it, it should be them, you know, that the, the Israelites survived after Moses. Um, but it's only because they trained other people to take their place. And, yeah. and so I think that that the more that we can do that and foster that, the stronger ultimately will be. And that's one of the reasons I really love Leadership Training for Christ, because it's it's entire intention is to grow the young people into these roles that someday they will fulfill. And, and so t expanding that out beyond just the things that we do in, in that particular program, but in all parts of our ministry, not only does it, does it release the, the burden on me, it helps me bear the load better, which how many ministers get burned out, right? I mean, how many do we know that have burned out? Um, it releases the load on me, but it also then it, it's, it's strengthening to the body as a whole. So it's pretty vital. So I, I, I know I went a little off the, the, no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful of the stories of Jesus, but don't let that mean that I don't think that those are important and uh, and among my favorites. <laughs> uh, we're going to call you an Old Testament Christian. Yeah, so, no, look, that's uh, the law I though. It's that's you love the attorney aspect of it, so I can't help it. I'm I'm attached to the law. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny because if I'm choosing a favorite story, I'm going with the touchy feely and you're going with the administrative uh, <laughs> story. <laughs> the administrative. There, is, there is a, a real good uh, point to that, Chris. Yeah, Tr we get along well. <laughs> Trey, Trey is having Jesus washing feet and yes. you're, you're figuring out. I'm, I'm organizational structure. <laughs> <laughs> It's that, awesome. I love that's it. That's a very true statement, though. That speaks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's I love it. Well, I need to work on is being a little softer on the edges. But. Well, I, I think the point is the Bible works with everyone's personality. Yes. Even, yeah. even people like me. Even yours. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Jason, love having you on, brother. I mean, it's just always a blessing. I know we've talked about doing some things in the future and, and yeah. excited about the possibilities, but yeah. But man, uh, thank you so much for being on today. Can I lead us in a prayer and ask God's yeah. blessing on you? And then, uh, and then we'll be done for today. Yeah, absolutely. So father God, we just come before you at this time and we thank you father for your great love for us, for the ways that you move and, and change our lives and transform us. And father, I just, I thank you for the message here. Um, a really deep spiritual truth um, shrouded in good administrative advice, maybe is father that you, um, you are the only one that stands as our ultimate leader. And so God, we, we turn to you. We ask God that you would bless us to be submissive to you, uh, when we need to be submissive and bless us to turn things over to you when we need to turn them over. And God, we just, uh, we just, ask your guidance in these things. Father, we submit to you. You are so good. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, uh, man, great having you on. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Who's on next week?
uh, Mr. Tim Rush. I don't know if you know Tim. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't know me. <laughs> he doesn't know you. Uh, Tim's hey, can, out of can you do one thing for me? Yes. Um, you mentioned it very briefly, but can you reach out to Billy and ask him what was going on with the multiple mugs? Because I counted three different drink containers that he was using. Um, and I don't know if anybody has watched it. Go back and, and watch it. Um, but it is uh, bothering me to no end to know what was happening there. So ask me. It was a psychological experiment. It, it, have you seen these where like the person like is talking and they're doing one thing and then a second later and it's like maybe somebody else. Yeah. 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 You know, it's like it just the scene behind you changes. That's what it was. All right. He was just seeing. No, I, I don't know. Billy, I loved that. That was fantastic. But what is going on with the cups? I got it. <laughs> <laughs> we need some more consistency in our life, which is why you brought your uh, right. brought your coffee there. Yeah. Okay. Hey, man, appreciate you. Uh, so uh, next week, Mr. Tim Rush, excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. I will catch you guys later. Peace okay. out. Bye bye.